Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. It's going to be a great day if you're watching online. Can we welcome all of our online friends, family? Always amazing to me that there's more people watching online than in the tents. I met a couple this morning that are friends with Brett and Brooke. I think everyone knows Brett and Brooke. Uh, that are from Virginia. They said they watch every single week. And they were here today. It was their first time, I think, in our church. And uh, they're like, thank you for what you guys do. People from Idaho watching every single week. Texas. and we have, a, we have a girl from Germany that wants to graduate and come to our college. Watches every week. I mean, I'm like, man, that's like, I don't know what time it is in Germany, but come on, it's 10 a.m. somewhere. Praise God. Let's go to church. So uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a great day. If you're brand new to our church, my name's Mark, and I have the privilege every week of opening this book up. I know some people preach this book, and it's not very life-giving or very lively, but I do believe that it's not the problem of the Bible when it's boring. Oftentimes when people are disengaged, it's usually the responsibility of the person reading it and teaching it, not of the person that wrote it. And today I'm going to do my very best with the little voice I got left. In fact, it's the last thing to come back from me. I got, I got sick a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm no longer sick, so don't worry about it. But my, my throat hasn't fully uh, my, re- recovered my voice. Uh, so just come on. You got to shout me down a little bit. Is that all right? We're going to have a good time today. If you're brand new to our church, we're going to open up the Bible. We're a little bit of a loud church. We get engaged. We lean in. We, don't, we like to be obnoxious. But I do believe that sometimes we go to church and we're too stoic. I think that whenever you're really excited about something, you can't not show it. You go to a movie theater, you like it's funny, you start giggling, right? You're in public, but you're giggling, right? You go to a sporting event, you get excited, you high-five a stranger, you hug someone you don't know, you know? You kind of come to, you black out, you're like, what am I doing? Where's my shirt? You know, like, uh, okay. Um, but it's amazing, you lose it at a sporting event, lose it at a movie, lose it, lose it everywhere else. But at church, we're, very, we're trained to be very like, just like, just barely stay awake. And I don't think God wants you to barely stay awake. I think he wants you to enjoy this. Do you believe that? So we're going to read this book. And here's the cool part. This is why you should be excited. Is this book releases power. And when we read this, I'm going to read, I'm going to read uh, today seven verses out of Matthew 17. And my, my conviction, because God told me before I got here where we're going today, I got a little taste of it last service. I think we're going to go further this service. And he told me where we're going to land today. And I do believe, like I mentioned before, that there is going to be a volcanic eruption today that would affect the entire atmosphere of Orange County and beyond. You believe it? Come on, say amen. Can I get an amen from the back tent over there? Come on. Palm Springs tent? Come on, where you at? We got Corona's tent over here? Come on. We got some Orange County people in the middle. It's going to be a good day. So you got your Bible. Uh, let's go to, again, uh, Matthew chapter 17. And uh, if you're brand new to church, I'm going to read seven verses. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk a little bit. And after I uh, tell a story or two, I have really three ideas I want you to land on today. But here's my, uh, here's, here's my, my, my thesis. Uh, I, I, believe that, um, I believe that we can have as much of God as we want. I believe that you, not me, not your mom, not your pastor, not your grandma, no one else determines how close you live to God. I'm not trying to condemn you if you feel distant today, but I will tell you this, that once you know the truth, you choose where you live. And I believe that for the sake of California, when the righteous get hungry for God, it can change cities. 
God gave me the revelation last year that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't destroyed because of how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah was. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of the lack of righteous people. If there is enough people in California that go after God, God will look over, God will forgive, pardon, and actually redeem for the sake of those that are going after Jesus. Can I get a good amen today? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best today to kind of break this down. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down, Hungry for More. Hungry for More. Hungry for More. We're in a first series. Every year we start the year off with a first series. It's always that way. And by the way, our conference every year in January is called First Conference. It's not because we've never done one before. It's because the idea is we want to give God the first. The, the principle of the Bible is whatever you want God to bless, give him the first. And like a button-up T-shirt, if you don't put the top button in the top hole, I don't care how smart you are, how much money you make, how good-looking your spouse and your kids are. I'm telling you, there is, there is a lack of fulfillment until God lines up number one. And that's what First Series is all about. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that we put God first, Matthew, let's go there today real fast for extra credit. Matthew chapter 6. I'll read a couple of verses, and then we'll go back to Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 6. Watch what it says here. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 6, <clears throat> take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward. Say it with me, reward. When you give, um, do, don't sound the trumpet like the hypocrites in the synagogues and the streets, and they, uh, for they, they do it for the glory of men. I say to you, they have their, say it with me, reward. When you do something, when you give, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. That Do it in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then he goes on, he says, and when you pray, don't be like the people standing on the street corners, but go into your bedroom, shut the door, and pray to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret will re reward you openly. Then he goes on, last one we'll read, it says, verse 16, moreover, when, say it with me, when. Now, I don't know about you, but as an American Christian, I wish it said, if. Anybody else? Obviously, not many of you have fasted before. If you have fasted before, you will track with me right now. I wish Jesus said, and if you fast. But unfortunately, he uses the same vernacular as he does with giving and praying. And I'll be honest, some of your faith is, is, is working at 25 and 30% because you've caught a little bit of giving, a little bit of praying, but you've never understood fasting. And I'm going to do my best on an unglamorous dare I say, an unsexy title in church. What do you teach on today? Fasting. How many of you would spend a lot of money to go to a conference to learn about fasting? Thank you, nobody. But I'll tell you this, how many want to see a church that sees miracles every week? Who wants to be a part of a community of faith that sends volcanic eruptions throughout the state? So I'm, you might not like what we're doing, but you'll like what we get. So... He says, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites, sad countenance, disguise their faces. They might appear to men to be fasting. I say to you, they have their reward. When you fast, he says, anoint your head, put on some deodorant. Don't make right guard turn left. Come on. He's like, wash your face. Don't appear. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. God is a God that wants to reward, right? But the issue is, is oftentimes we don't know what constitutes the reward. So now let's go to Matthew 17 in the light of this fasting idea. It says that when they had come to the multitude, <clears throat> backstory, they just got out of this transfiguration conference up on the mountain. It was Jesus and his three closest amigos, 
Peter, James, and John went up. There was glory, the voice of God on the mountain, and they come down from the valley, from the mountain of victory to the valley of problems. And they are hit with right out of the gate. You read the story in Mark 9, Luke 9, or Matthew 17. And what we read is they came down, and there was a big crowd. Say big. There was a big crowd. And uh, a man from the crowd was a father, came down, kneeling down to Jesus, fell at his feet. He said, Lord, would you please have mercy on my son? He, has a, he, he is an epileptic. He suffers severely. If you read Luke and Mark's narratives, they say that it was from his childhood. He was born with this severe condition. He suffered his whole life. Mark documents that he foamed at the mouth, that he had a mute spirit. The way that Luke paints it is that he was actually out of his mind, suicidal. And Matthew says that when it actually came on him, he often would fall in the fire and into the water. He suffered. Say it with me, suffered. It was a lifelong, born this way, suffering. And I know some of you in here, you're like, you might not know this because you're not a parent yet. But the only thing worse than you suffering is seeing your kids suffer. And I'll tell you what right now, there is nothing more powerful than a desperate parent's faith. And this desperate parent fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, please, would you help? I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus said to them, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. What did he rebuke? I'm all about medicine. I'm all about, I'm all about counseling. But some stuff is not counseled out. It is cast out. I don't believe that all sickness is demonic, but I do believe some is. You read the Bible, Jesus took authority. He gave us authority to evict sickness. Part of the ways you know that something is demonic is when it, when it causes self-harm. If your chronic condition is self-destructive, oftentimes it has demonic origins. So he takes authority over the demon and it came out of him. Says it threw him to the ground one last time. And he was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. This is a very shame and honor society that the disciples are living in. So they were mortified that they publicly tried to evict and exercise a demon out, which FYI, they had done before. Seven chapters earlier in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave them authority to evict demons to heal the sick. So they've seen his power, they've known his power, they've demonstrated his power, and now they're in a public setting and nothing happens. So there's nine of them that have their head between their legs, and they're freaking out, they're sucking their thumbs in the fetal position, they're ashamed, there's scribes, they're arguing, talking about, I told you they can't do miracles, I told you there's no power in the church, there was dispensationalists back then too. And it goes on. What happens next is they bring him to Jesus. He cures him. And they said privately, they said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, well, it's because of your unbelief. The word unbelief is little faith. Surely I say to you, this is what he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved. And nothing will be impossible for you. Notice this. Miracles in the power of God is not determined by how much faith you have. It's by having faith in the right God. One theologian said it doesn't matter how big your window is to see the moon as long as it's in the right direction. And I believe that this is so significant because it says that, he says that after he talks about that, and he says if you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
In the ancient world, nothing was harder to move than a mountain. Nothing was more stable than a mountain. And actually, rabbis in this day and age would talk much about mountains not moving. So it was a very common saying in this day and age. So it goes on. He says this last little phrase, verse 21. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and by fasting. Now, I could have lived without this verse. Anybody else? Any foodies in here? I'll get to you. Let's pray. God, we just love you. We thank you today that we would hunger for more of you. I pray that we get more in this year of you. I pray that we'd be more full of you, more obsessed with you, more on mission with you, more in love with you than we've been in our entire lives. I pray whether we're 82 or we're 18 or we're 8, that, God, you would meet us today. Give us a crazy moment, appetite, encounter with you. Sharpen every dull dull edge of our faith. And let us leave this place ready to go for you this week. In Jesus' name, bless First Conference. And everybody said. I love food. I love, anybody love food? Maybe it's an American thing, Western world thing. I just, I really enjoy eating. Now, some of you I know, I see some of you guys jogging on the beach. I join F45. Like, I exercise. I'll run a couple days a week. I go on hikes every once in a while. I ride mountain bikes. My friend Vache. I, 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 I like going downhill on mountain bikes. But uphill, sweating, and being at the gym and feeling like you're going to lose what's in your stomach, I don't enjoy. I don't wake up going, it's going to be fun to run. It's going to be so fun at F45 today. I have never told Rochelle, today's class is going to be so fun. (laughs) My wife and I, we work out together. It's one of the fun things that we love to do together. It's fun uh, afterwards. But I'll be honest with you. There is no joy in my heart for exercise other than the reward of eating something after. I run to eat. I exercise to break even. And if I work out a little bit longer, I'm going to eat a little bit more. Mark, you, you, you don't look like you work out. Exactly. I work hard to make this maintained figure. I'm playing. Come on, if I dig six feet out of the hole, I'm putting six feet of dirt back in. We're playing to break even, baby. Can I get an amen? I'm trying to lose weight, but come on, just leave me alone. I love food. I don't love working out, but I love food. And I like tacos. I like Lupe's. I like Javier's. I like Coastal Kitchen. I like a good steak. My friend Jesse took me to Mastro's. I'm like, refinance the house. I, I like good food. I, I enjoy eating. I think appetite's powerful. I actually, they say you are what you, right? You heard that phrase before. I was thinking about how powerful appetites are. I would go on the record to say that maybe there is nothing more powerful to motivate a human being than your stomach. How would you be so audacious? Because notice this, the fall of humanity did not come from a temptation of gold, silver, or sex. The enticement of the human race was all dependent upon food. It looked good for the eyes, and it looked good for the stomach. And it was an unsurrendered appetite. It was when Adam and Eve chose to love something and get hungry for something more than what God wanted them to be hungry for. It was a mistaken appetite that started the fall of humanity. And I don't think it's coincidental that the first thing that Adam and Eve do is they screw up by what they eat. And the first thing that Jesus does to restore humanity is starts a 40-day fast and doesn't eat. 
And by the way, when he's in a fast, the devil tempts him to actually give him, hey, turn this rock into Chick-fil-A. And Jesus goes, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to command the stone to become bread. I'm telling you, there is something powerful about appetites. The ancient world understood fasting. I would even say the Bible, all the characters of the Bible, they understood the power of appetites and fasting. I will show you today that fasting is not for pastors, popes, spiritual leaders, and hyper-spooky Christians. That fasting is a tool, a gift, a, a blessing, painful blessing, an annoying blessing, but blessing nonetheless. That God has actually entrusted, and I believe many times the North American church, it lacks power to say no because it's never known the power of fasting. In short, fasting is training your flesh nature to shut up. And the reason why you can't say no to food, the reason why you can't say no to lying, stealing, affairs, and other vices is because you've never seen the fruit of fasting and saying, body, shut up. We're going after God. There is something in fasting. Fasting is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Fasting is giving up food for a moment or a season for a spiritual purpose. This is fasting. Fasting is this crazy idea that it can sensitize your heart to God, that it overcomes sexual addictions and demonic bondages. It'll give you the authority to tell your flesh nature, say it with me, no. Come on, say no. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual reason. I believe that fasting is a secret to getting keys to heaven's doors and keys to locking hell's gates. Appetites are powerful, friends. I'm telling you, throughout the Bible, we know that in Genesis 25, Esau actually, he, he, he ties himself out of the royal lineage of God because of a bowl of lentil stew. Do you know that Abraham's son was Isaac and Isaac's son was... Esau first. Esau was the firstborn, but he got hungry one day, and he was so hungry, his brother was whooping up some lentil stew, and can we be honest in church, if you're going to screw up your birthright, it better be chicken tortilla. It's lentil stew. Is there a more obnoxious stew? Lent, really? Lentil stew? He says, I'll give you my birthright. Do you know the Bible should have read when God introduced himself 400 years later and he introduced himself to Moses at a burning bush, it should have been, I am the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, and the God of your father Esau. Esau wasn't in the family of Abraham and Isaac because of stew. And I think to myself, man, throughout history, human beings have been robbed, not by the desires of their heart, but by the appetites of their stomach crazy one of the ten commandments is do not covet what is covetousness it is an appetite don't covet your neighbor's car your neighbor's wife your house their job don't covet it's appetite and many people don't realize that unsurrendered appetites get more people in trouble than maybe anything else on the earth i believe that listen fasting isn't about your stomach it's about your heart and here's what I've learned. This is about the powerful thought. You can write this down. But I do believe that you don't, that what you hunger for the most is actually what you truly worship. What you hunger for. You know what I'm so hungry for? Vacation. What are you hungry for? A playoff game today. What are you hungry? I can't wait to go to the movie on Friday. 
I can't wait. Listen, whatever you hunger for is actually what you value and worship the most. I'm not saying you have to burn 24 hours of every day for a conference, for a Bible, for a fasting, for a speaking in tongues, two-hour session. But I do believe there are strategic moments of your life that you notice your faith edge is getting dull, that the anointing on your life is getting weak, and your love for God is getting feeble. What do you do in these moments? God has given us a tool that focuses us, cleanses us, reorients us, through weakness, strengthens us, allows us closer proximity to God, and warrants enlarged authority for a fresh devotion. What are you saying? You're saying that if I fast, preacher, that God will love me more or forgive me for my sins? No, that's what the blood of Jesus does. Fasting doesn't make God love me more, and fasting doesn't forgive me faster. What fasting does is it sensitizes me to his voice. And many people live completely numb to God's voice, numb to God's plans, numb to God's purposes, and they wonder, well, does God have a plan for my life? He does, Jethro, but it requires some, come on, appetite. I apologize the last couple weeks if your name's Jethro, by the way. It's a great name. One scholar said the birthplace, fasting is the birthplace, uh, no, no, this is what he said. <laughs> he didn't say that. That was a lie. One scholar said the birthplace of Christian fasting is homesickness for God. Man, the birthplace of Christian fasting is homesickness for God. Dreams and visions came after fasting. Do you know that Daniel was in a scenario that the king had a nightmare? And the solution to someone's nightmare was given as someone fasted. I believe that there is something in, in God. And here's what I know about Matthew 17. Are you still with me today? This is wild. That they came down and there was nine defeated disciples that literally said, Jesus, just a couple of days ago, we evicted demons. Just a couple of days ago, we helped people just like this kid. Why couldn't we do it today? I've studied this, and I've prayed this out, and I've read it, and I was talking to God about it, and I came to a conclusion here that the reason why they couldn't exercise him is Jesus gave them the explanation in the last verse. He says, it's only by prayer and by fasting. Here's what I know about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting reminds us that we don't have strength by ourselves. You know why they're disappointed? I think Jesus went on the mountain, took their three best friends, and they felt left behind, and they got apathetic while they were on the mountain. And while Peter, James, and John were worshiping their faces off with, with Moses and Elijah and Jesus, there was nine of them that were like, we didn't get invited. Get the Xbox out. Let's come on. Get some Netflix subscriptions going. Let's just come on. Let's coast. We have power. And they tried to use power. And like Samson, they didn't realize God was no longer with them. And they tried to pray over a kid that needed help. He was suffering, but they had nothing to offer him. And Jesus' response was, hey, um, I gave you all the power. I gave you all authority, but you haven't exercised it by prayer and fasting. You're not sensitive because you haven't been focused. And I'm telling you, there's many people that don't realize today they've lost authority, they've lost their edge, they've lost their sensitivity to God's voice, his leading, his promptings, his purposes, because they haven't valued the lost art of fasting. 
Now, here's my preacher disclaimer. I don't like fasting. I've been doing it for 20 years. I've been doing it every January for 20 years. Three days, seven days, 21 days. You name it, I've done a bunch of fast. And every year I'm like, ah, fasting season. You know what's crazy about it? Even though it's hard, and I'll be honest, there's never an easy fast. I've never done one fast like, dude, that was so easy. I didn't eat from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day. You guys didn't get that. You're sleeping. At the, okay, we'll keep going. Uh, like, I'm fasting radio and black and white television. Some, my generation is guilty of really fasting things that aren't fast. They're basically glorified diets. When you don't eat food and you do everything you normally do, you're not fasting. You're uh, starving yourself. Fasting is when you give up what you normally eat and do to actually seek God. So on your lunch break, instead of scrolling Instagram and eating a salad, you have your Bible and you're praying with a notepad. That's fasting. I had a pastor guy I was watching, just some of the pastors, the millennial pastors, I'm like, Jesus, help us. We're in trouble. He's like, yeah, I woke up at 5 a.m. I worked out for two hours, read my Bible for 30 seconds, and then I, uh, I'm eating really clean. My fast is I'm eating really clean. I'm like, okay, so you're exercising and you're eating really clean. You're not fasting, you're dieting. I'm not trying to police him. I'm not going to say his name. His name is, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I do believe that our generation has a misrepresentation of what it is. So let's get a couple things out of the way. Number one is for the whole room. You guys ready? Yeah. Write this down. Three points. Number one, fasting is for everyone who believes. And that's where we all say, dang. Because I was hoping it was just like pastors and like lay people and like small group leaders. Maybe like kids, workers. But like I just come on Sundays, man. I just tithe and like help out. I, I, I stack chairs. Do I have to fast? Here's, here's what Jesus said. Matthew, what did he say? Matthew chapter 6. When you give, when you pray, when you. And I believe some of you have weak faith because you've never developed that third arm. Jesus said a threefold cord is not easily broken. Some of you are easily broken because you're living off of one or two of those legs. Well, Mark, why do I fast? Because everyone that was in the Bible fasted. I could, I could dig you through a Bible study today. I could tell you about Joseph, Daniel, Solomon, the most affluent powerful, wealthy men in the ancient world were all fasters. We know that Daniel fasted for 10 days in the beginning with my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. And those cats were 10 times wiser than the most educated elite men of their day. Every day they fasted, God gave them a double portion. Then he fasted for 21 days, 10 chapters later. And the Bible says that during 21 days, he didn't eat wine. We didn't, didn't drink wine or grapes. No, he didn't drink wine, he didn't eat sugar or sweets, and he didn't eat meat. For 21 days, it's called a Daniel fast. And it says that when the angel showed up, he said, God sent me 21 days ago. But I couldn't break through the prince of Persia until you finished your fast. I want you to know if we saw what was going on in the unseen realm, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and Democrats and Republicans. We're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. This is why we fast, man. We know that Moses, he got the Ten Commandments on the tail end of a 40-day fast. We know that he did two 40-day fasts. Hannah couldn't get pregnant. She didn't eat and she wept. And it was in the middle of a fast that a priest called to her and said, you're going to get pregnant.
she would give birth to Samuel, the most accurate eagle-eyed prophet in the Old Testament. Samuel was the answer to a fast. I could take you to Judah, to Ezra, to the people of Nineveh. Nineveh would have been destroyed had it not been for the king saying, we're calling a fast. A city was spared. Nehemiah called a fast to rebuild the walls. David called a fast. Anna was in her 80s when she was fasting in Luke chapter 2. I could take you to Joshua fasting for 40 days. Jehoshaphat would have been wiped out with Judah if they didn't call a fast. God had to fight for them. Paul did a three-day fast. It says that in, in the middle of a fast, he did a 14-day fast. That in Acts chapter 9, Ananias came to him. God said, he's fasting. And in a vision, he saw you laying hands on him. Paul's purpose and blueprint for life came in the middle of a fast. Peter was on the rooftop of a, of a tanner named Simon at Laguna Beach. And in a vision, during a fast... He gets a revelation that Christianity no longer just belongs to Jews. If you're not Jewish today, if it wasn't for Peter's fast, we might not be here. Cornelius got Peter's name while he was fasting. Jesus himself did not start his earthly ministry until after he fast. My thought is, this is kind of crazy, but man, if Jesus, if, if he could have received what he needed to walk out his ministry here on the earth without fasting, he never would have fasted. But my thought is, if he couldn't find his purpose before a fast, why would we think that we could find ours? I encourage you, you want to figure out what you're supposed to do in life? Do a fast. Who you're supposed to marry? Do a fast. You're dating her or him, but you're not sure if they're the one? Do a fast. Relocating, retreat from California, the answer is no. Stay. We need some salt and light in this place. But do a fast. Too many people are living on their own stomachs. And they've never given God their hearts by their stomachs. There is something, I can't stand it, but it's so good. That there's something about the power of God being released, released as we fast. I read over and over again about people throughout scripture that in the middle of a fast, God did something powerful. Joel goes on the record in 228 and he says, after these things, afterwards, after what? After the people fast. He talks about God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters having dreams and visions and prophesying. Revival always comes on the heels of a fasting people. It's powerful. Say with me, it's powerful. That's my second point. Write that down. It's powerful. Do you know that it's for everyone who believes? And not only is it for you, but it's powerful. People say, I don't know how to fast, preacher. Well, let me tell you what it is. Fasting, there's three fasts in the Bible. There is a full fast, which I don't recommend. A full fast is like when Esther said, guys, every Jew is going to be annihilated everywhere. Haman has a wicked plan. He's going to destroy us. She said, everybody, don't eat, don't drink, don't do nothing. We're fasting until God spares us. That was a complete fast. And by the way, it was in the middle of Esther's fast that God hung Haman on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. There is wicked plans in this state that a fasting and praying church can actually foil. I believe there is wicked agendas in America that a praying and fasting church can foil. 
I don't care how wicked leaders are. I don't care how corrupt politicians are. Where there is a praying and powerful church, you will see God break through like he did for Esther. A full fast is when you give everything up, water and food. I encourage you to seek medical advice. And if you do it and have problems, don't tell them you learned it from Ocean's Church. Second fast in the Bible is a normal fast. A normal fast is when you drink water, lots of water. I'd even encourage you not to drink tap water. When you're on a fast, get good water. Splurge, buy that Fiji. Get some good water. But you, you drink a lot of water, and if you can't, if you get weak, you got to work, you got you to take care of your kids, go to, you know, whatever it is, then drink some juice. Or get some chicken broth. Some of my friends' churches, they fast during uh, this month, and the local Chick-fil-A's, they actually know how to strain the noodles out of chicken noodle soup because so many people in their church are fasting. Days are coming. I haven't felt a huge push. I and mean, We've fasted every year in the history of this church. But I feel, I felt the Lord. I told Rochelle even yesterday, God met with me in the morning yesterday, and he, I heard him. He said, Mark, I'm summonsing you to a higher level of devotion. And I want the whole church to follow you. But I need your stomach because I want your heart. And I feel like we're going to fast more than we've ever fasted this year. And I'm like, I'm excited about it, but I'm also not. But I'm telling you, it's going to be good. It's powerful. And there's not only normal fasts when you, again, you're not just avoiding food, you're pursuing God. And let me say something. If you fast something, because people are like, well, I'm just going to fast. I'm going to fast television. I'm going to fast, which is great. Those are all great. Technically, those aren't fast. But let me just go on the record to not be legalistic, but to be serious. If it doesn't matter to you, it's not going to matter to God. So if you're fasting something that doesn't matter to you, it's not really touching the heart of God. The purpose of fasting is God sees that, man, I am literally humbling my physical body. I got this annoying detox headache. I got this weakness in my body. I don't feel I have much energy, but God, I am fully yielded to you like Romans 12.1 as a living sacrifice. I'm presenting myself to you, which is my reasonable service. You're going to give me 11 months of strength, but I'm going to give you the first month of fasting. And I believe there will be miracles because it's powerful when we fast. And there's also not only normal fast, there's partial fast. You know, in the Bible, there is people that fasted for half a day, one day, Three days, seven days, 14 days, 21 days, and 40 days. Don't try to be a superhero your first fast. Jesus fasted 40 days. I'm going 40 days. Don't try to be a hero. You didn't speak in sentences. You, you started with mama. So start small. If you've never done 24 hours, do a 24-hour fast. And it doesn't have to be from when you wake up to the next morning. You could go eat some barbecue right now. Come on, last supper. This could be your last supper. And then from this time to this time tomorrow, you pursue God. I want to encourage some of you to start there. Some of you, maybe it's three days. God, I'm going to pursue. And what, what do you do, Mark? Well, start with water. If you get weak, drink some juice, some broth. And if you get really, really weak and you have to do something physical, then eat some vegetables. Go to a Daniel fast. Cut alcohol, cut, cut carbs and sugar, and cut meat out of your diet. Which you don't think that's very much, but until you go to like a, a restaurant, you're ordering like a salad with vinegar. Like, this is suffering. But I encourage you, listen, why would you do it, Mark? Because it, when, when you show God, God, I'm serious about it. I really want more of you. God honors that desire.
I want to say this lastly, and I'll go on to say, so there's full, normal, and partial. And whatever fast you feel led to do, for me, the length of it is determined by the need of it. I want to fast the beginning of every year because I want to have a greater need for God. I don't ever want to be like the disciples and assume that I can do great things without praying and fasting. That was their sin, is they thought they could do whatever they wanted to do anytime with great authority without spending time with Jesus praying and fasting. And so I want to make sure I don't ever think that I have power in myself. Can I get an amen? Number three, write this down. It's worth it. What do you know about fasting, preacher? Well, I know it's for everyone who believes. I know that it's uh, powerful. And I know it's for, it's, it's always worth it. There is levels of freedom. There are signs and wonders. There is authority that's only released in prayer and fasting. Some healings, some life changes, some addicts getting free, some financial breakthroughs, some people that are lost coming home. Some of those things don't happen until someone gets hungry enough to give God their stomach. And I just, again, I don't, I, I, have I told you I don't like fasting? I said that already? I don't physically like the headaches. I don't like the shake. I don't like all that. But I love the fact that I learned to hear the voice of God while I was fasting. I learned, I learned how to connect and commune with the Spirit of God while I was fasting. Some of the greatest visions and blueprints for my life were given to me during my fast. People say, Mark, what do you do when Rochelle do when you fast? This is what we do. We read our Bibles when we normally are on our phones or our TV. And we have a tablet or a, a notebook. And this is what I do. I would tell you to write these down real quick. This is good to write down. I would have a you column. If you're married, have a marriage column. If you have kids, have a family column. And then whatever your vocation is, have a vocation column. And I would ask God to speak to you in every one of those areas. While you're fasting, while you're reading the Bible, say, God, what do you want me to do physically this year? Exercise, eating, diet, uh, discipline, Bible reading, study times. God, what do you want me to do? Writings, disciplining my schedule, me. And now that I'm taking care of me, Lord, what do you want me to do with Rochelle? How, do you, how can I be a better husband this year? I want you to take more dates. I want you to make sure you spend more time to just do more thoughtful acts, get her flowers, write her notes. This is crazy. God will begin to give me wisdom on how to have a better marriage. And then I go, okay, God, how do I be a better dad? And God starts to speak to me about my daughters. Take Kenzie here. Do this with Chloe. Spend time. Speak this. Say that. Pray that. Lead him in here. Teach him this. And then my vocation, I don't know if you know this, I'm a pastor. Um, so my vocation is this. So you know what I do every January? Is I actually dedicate time praying about God. What do you want to do for Ocean's Church this year? Where do you want to lead us? What do you want me to believe for? Some of you, you've done a lot of good things in your business, and you've done it without including God. I wonder what God would do this year. If you would say, God, what do you want to do together this year in our business? invite them in. I don't know who you are. I'm just trying to, there is more than you currently have. And I don't care how much of God you have today, there is still, there's more. And I want to challenge you today with a holy appetite to go, God, I want to be more sensitive to your timing, to your voice. I want to go to a deeper relationship with you. I want my faith to be, to get larger. I wrote this down. One scholar said, great faith is informed hunger. Fasting, quite frankly, is never easy, always worth it.
be honest, there will always be a reason not to fast. If you want your work to start catering good food in, start a fast. You want to be invited to a great feast with a master chef, start fasting. It is wild that when you start fasting, you get tempted with everything and anything food-wise. It's everybody's birthday that week. Red velvet cake on tap. And you're just like, why? I'll start next week. But I'm telling you, it's never convenient, but it's worth it. You still with me today? I, I just want to say we're not going to lose our power. We're going we're gonna to discover there's more in God than we currently have. I believe there's things that God wants the church to pray and fast for in California. There's things politically. There's things with our education and our school systems in our, ju- in our, our judicial system. There is things, I believe, morally that can begin to shift and change as the church begins to pray and to fast for our land. What's the promise? If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. What is humbling yourselves? Not feeding your stomach. And pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. I, God, I will hear from heaven. I'll heal their state, their county. You really believe that? I I will die believing that. How do you know? Because people have fasted and prayed before. I dare you to study revivals. Study the Welsh revival. You study how Evan Roberts started praying, Lord, bend me, bend me, started fasting. And these guys in this part of the country had a revival that hit the entire region. So much so that all the coal miners that were the cussing guys of the day, they, the animals no longer knew how to respond because all of the orders were cuss words. The bars were empty. The police officers became quartets. There was no crime in Welsh. Revival. You study Portland, Oregon. Crazy. During the days of John G. Lake, there was a revival at the Northwest that every business in downtown Portland closed at noon for prayer. That was less than 100 years ago. There has been revivals in our land. Azusa Street. People called the fire department saying there's a building on fire. It was a prayer meeting. People were falling out under the power of God on the sidewalks. That's just all make-believe. No, it's fact. Well, why can we haven't seen it? Because we've never given God our stomach. And I believe we'll get hungry for another move of God. We'll see it in our land. There is something in Orange County that's already here, and we just got to find a way to get so hungry that we go, God, open up. Get rid of the stones out of this well. Get the stones out of this well. And God, once again, water this land with the flow of your spirit. Come on, stand to your feet today. I feel his presence. I'm telling you, it's one of the hardest messages to teach on and preach on because it's not a subject that everyone's excited about. But I tell you, church, if if you realize today that it's for everyone who believes, that it's powerful and it's worth it, and as we do it this week together, one day, three days, five days, seven days, some of you go on, go 14, 21 days, let us be a church that knows the power of fasting. And I believe as we do that, guess what's going to happen? We're going to see, like that tsunami yesterday, that volcano's going to erupt here. 
man, what's happened in Orange County? Man, what's happened to those churches in Orange County? It is crazy. Orange County is blowing up. There's a move of God. They're writing songs that are going around the earth. Man, they're, they're raising up people in, in business, in education, in politics. You mark my word, governors will come out of this church. You mark my words, mayors, judges, some of the, some of the educational school board directors, they're going to come out of this house. This is the hour that God says, come on, I'm going to raise up sons and daughters, make a difference in the world. Is there anybody here that believes that we're supposed to be salt and light? Last time I read my Bible, it says that you are the salt and the light of the earth. Father, I pray today. Come on, if you want to say today, God, speak to me. Just lift your hands. I just lift my hands as a sign. God, speak to me. And how many here today, you just feel like, man, if Mark, I'm listening to you. And maybe you've never fasted before. Or it's been a long time. Maybe you only did it one time in your life. But you go, you know what I want to do? I want to make it a daily, I want to make it a yearly discipline that at least once or twice a year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everything aside and just go after God. One day, three days, five days, seven, 21, 40, whatever. I'm going after God. If that's you today, come on, you feel like God, come on, just, there's a dull edge that needs to be sharpened. There's a fresh encounter that needs to be had. If that's you, just give God a wave offering today, saying, God, I hear you and I'm in. I hear you, come on in, I'm in. I see hands going up all over this place. Man, mark my words, if we saw what we saw last year without a big praying push to fast, you mark my words, this will be the most dynamic year that Ocean's Church has ever seen. So God, right now, we just want you to know that we're in. Would you pray your own prayer today? Just say, God, I'm in. Whatever you want to do this week, I'm in for it. I believe if you'll ask him to speak to you, he'll tell you how long and even what type of fast to do. Partial fast, normal fast, whatever fast. Come Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to announce this before it happens. But Friday and Saturday night, there will be an unusual flow of miracles. I want you to invite anyone you know that has cancer, anyone that you know that's addicted to drugs, Anyone that you know that's far from God, there will be a presence because when the church fasts, I, I, I've been around, I'm only 38, but I've been around long enough to see moments when heaven invades, when the church really gets serious and fasts. So I want to announce that this coming weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, it's going to be, Sunday it's going to be here. And even God told me the last Sunday of, of January, the last two Sundays of January, there's going to be an unusual presence to heal. And I want, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest guy, okay? But God has told me this a handful of times in my life. Rochelle, remember when, when Boise, God told me that we'd have a summer of revival? Our summer of miracles. And we had more notable miracles. I saw a blind eye open in our church, a deaf ear open in our church. I saw people that had STDs their whole life healed. And medically documented miracles and so I just I had God told me the other day I'm calling you in to a higher level of devotion but there is going to be a greater level of power to heal so bring people this coming weekend I want to pray for everyone that needs healing today if you're sick in your mind in your physical body if there is something right now financial relational with a kid that's running from God if you're believing for a miracle I want you to lift your hand real high Come on, some honest people in this room. If you're watching online, just come put your hand on your heart. 
And if your hand's up, if, you're, if someone's hand's up that's next to you, just go ahead and put your hand on their shoulder. We are a praying church. Find somebody, come on. Put your hand on someone next to you. They need a miracle. Put your hand on them. Come on, everybody, find somebody to lay a hand on. And if your neighbor's hand's up, come on, just put your hand on each other. Come on. Keep one hand up, one, the other hand on them. We're praying, church. Let's pray this prayer, church, say in Jesus' name. We come to you boldly. We, we approach your throne. We ask you to heal, to send help, send grace, to strengthen, to deliver, to break through, and to send heaven. Spirit of God, we invite you into this person and into their circumstances. You know what's wrong, so please invade. Heal. Be healed in Jesus Christ's name. Some you're going to feel it right now. Someone's spine is straightening out right now. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone's like uh, hip flexor is going back. The pain is leaving right now. Something's popping back in right now. Sciatic nerve being healed. Jesus' name right now. I, I pray, Lord, for someone's abdomen. Someone has like some sort of like issue with some sort of bulging whatever disc that's affected your abdomen. I pray be healed in Jesus' name. I pray for the lady that found a mass on her chest. I pray, Lord, for the for the guy that has the pain under his armpit. I pray for the finger issue, the, the person that has some sort of, it's like some sort of fungus that won't go away. I pray you would heal Jesus' name. I pray for the bipolar, the schizophrenic. I pray for the suicidal. I pray for the depressed and the oppressed. I command in Jesus Christ's name, the spirit of death be released over this house. We pray there will be no suicide this year, no homicide this year. That, 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 that destructive spirit, I command that demonic spirit of self-harm to loose your grip over every son and every daughter in Jesus' name. There's someone that you've been cutting yourself for years. And God today in Jesus' name is evicting that foul spirit. You're not going to cut anymore. Not going to make yourself throw up anymore. I pray you would heal. I pray for the sexual addiction, the pornography, whatever even beyond that, whatever it is, I pray you would heal. I pray for the heroin addict, the meth addict, the cocaine user. I even pray for the alcoholic today. This week, break those chains. And I want to do this on the count of three. If you believe that we have the victory, and the victory is our faith. I want you to give God, come on, on the count of three, just a 10-second reckless shout and a reckless clap of praise that God is giving us victory this week. Go ahead. STD in your body, had it since you were 19. You might be in your 40s or 50s now, and God's healing you. Your doctor visit will prove that it's no longer indeed in your body. There's someone in here, you have some sort of cancer in your body. There's even someone that has melanoma, melanoma, and it hasn't been super severe, but it's been getting worse the last couple of years, and God right now, he's going to heal your body. 
You're not going to have anything else burned off, freezed off, removed. God is healing your skin today. I pray that you would make it as brand new as a child. If you could cleanse Naaman of leprosy, you can heal anybody. I ask in Jesus' name, come on, right now, anyone that needs a touch, I pray you would heal them. I pray for the atheist in the back. I pray for the agnostic that says, I feel something, is this God? I pray, Lord, that you would confirm that this is you by touching them right now. Someone's getting really emotional. You can't even stop crying. It's like your tear ducts won't stop producing water. And I pray right now that, Lord, that those would be liquid, liquid drops of God's love. That, God, you would show them beyond the shadow of a doubt that you never left them, you never forsaken them. Their father and their mother might have abandoned them, but you have never left their side. I pray, yeah, I pray, I pray. I pray for the orphan that never had parents, that today you would come as a father. Show them how good you are. If you're here today, and you know the truth is, I don't know how long we have to live. I didn't know Bob Saget was going to die this week. No one knows how much time they have. But I tell you this, I don't want to wait until my dying moments to make a decision to get right with God. I want you to know it's not funny people that go to heaven. It's not, it's not good people that go to heaven. It's not even generous people that go to heaven. It's not even like self-righteous people that go to heaven. It's not church attenders that, that go to heaven. The people that make it to heaven are the ones that receive the free gift of Jesus. That invite his gift of salvation into your life. And invite his spirit to move into you. Those are the ones that end up in heaven. So today, I want to, I want to be bold. If you're here and you know that you're not living with God and for God. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to him. Or maybe you've only gone halfway in. And you haven't given him your full allegiance. I'm going to finish right now. But if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want you to raise your hand really high and keep it in the air because I'm going to count all over this tent. There's going to be at least 21 people that raise their hands because I believe the Spirit of God is summonsing you back home to know Him. He wants you. Right now, that's you. I want rededicating your life or for the first time, I want you to raise your hand and keep it up until I count all the hands. Eyes closed, heads bowed. You can start raising. I'll give you three seconds. One, thank you, hands going up. Two, real high, don't be shy. Real high, right now, that's me. Three. Real high, thank you. Real high, one, two, keep it up. Real high, real high, real high. Three, real high, real high, real high. Four, five, six, real high. Six hands, six hands, six hands, seven hands, seven hands, eight hands. Keep going, keep going. No one God speaks to me. Put your hands down. There's people online right now, even two. You know your heart's beating out of your chest. There was eight that just raised their hands. I believe there's 21 today. And um, I'm not a mathematician, but I think we're off a little bit. So do me a favor, just close your eyes. I'm not the smartest guy, but I know God uses me because I do I hear his voice. There's at least 21. So that is, uh, was that 14 more we're missing? Is that right? We need 14 more people to raise their hands. Is that all right? You counted some more, Donnie, back there? Okay. 13 more, is that right? I'm a preacher, leave me alone. You didn't raise your hand, but you were supposed to. Your heart's beating out of your chest. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just trying to tell you, don't wait until you're on a deathbed or the last minute before the car hits the other car to say Jesus. 
now's the day. Today is the day of salvation. And I don't know why, but I feel like for a couple of you, this might be the last moment of your life that you're in an environment like this to receive His goodness. You need to decide today. I feel His love. You didn't raise your hand, but you were supposed to. There's eight more. There's one. Or there's 13 more. There's one. Come on, real high. One all over the room. I'll give you three seconds. Two. Raise it. Come on, right now. Three. Real high. Real high, real high, real high, real high. Real high. Real high. Keep them raised. I see three more hands. Anybody else? All right. Maybe we have 10 online. Or we have 10 liars in here. <laughs> Kidding. Let's put your hand on your heart. I'll be honest. Step out prophetically. I remember one time I prayed for something. It was like really obscure. Never prayed for it before. Some healing. And like someone in here is getting healed. Raise your hand. And no one raised their hands. So every skeptic in the room is like, this guy doesn't hear from God. What a loser. And it happens every time. It's happened multiple times in my ministry. I'll call something specific out. I know God's telling me it. You know what happens? I go over there afterwards, and they come up to me afterwards sheepishly. They go, hey, that was me. I'm like, thanks for ruining the meeting. So I know there's at least 10 more of you that you're scared right now, but I want you to pray this anyways. I don't care who gets the credit for it, as long as you make a decision today. Okay? Online. You can write heart online, wherever you're watching YouTube, hundreds watch on YouTube, Facebook, write, write heart. But if you're in the tents right now, let's pray with those that, that raise their hands. Let's, let's commit our lives to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I invite you today to meet me here. Would you be my God, my Savior? I receive your free gift. Thank you for dying for me. Fill me with your spirit. Guide, direct, heal my life. Speak to me from this day forward. In Jesus' name. You pray that prayer, I'd encourage you to get a Bible, which they're free on the Bible app. Start reading the book of Mark or John. And I would encourage you, secondly, to find a church. If you live around here, this is a great church to go to. If you live somewhere else, go to our information booth. We'll help find a church for you. Church, I want to encourage you. Let's fast. Let's pray this week. And let's come Friday and Saturday nights believing God to move. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.